And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone has always wondered, did they nap a thousand years ago? Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, is it ever beautiful here on Milleronia. And it's just great to be back. This this place, if I do say so myself, I built a beautiful island. And, uh, well, we have all the, you know, the side effects and everything that you can do. We have three volcanoes. You don't want to see those. And, uh, by the way, rarely we invite the community up to see us toss a couple of people in there. But you know what? It's not for, it's not for the people of the community. It's the ones, well, it's for the ones we're going to toss in. And, uh, in any case, but that's, you know what? It's it's a happy island, aside from that. And uh, we like it very much. It's beautiful here today. And, oh boy, well, I know I control the weather, but still, it's beautiful. And it makes me very happy that, uh, of course, the music, as always, makes me and the Colonel very happy. That was the Anthony Bourdain Orchestra and the Kate Spade Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question... Do they still teach driver's ed in high school? And if so, does the instructor's car still have a backup brake on the passenger side? Good question, Brad. First of all, I hope so. I hope they do. I mean, what what better can you do? They, uh, I don't know what kind of devices they could have that would change that and make it better. They did in my day. Uh, I learned on one of those cars. It was a four-door Chevy sedan. And it was uh, maroon on the outside and maroon on the inside. And there was no air conditioning on the inside, which I can tell you is something we noticed because we learned in the summers and we were taking driver's ed in the summers. And uh, the instructors, turns out, were teachers too, regular teachers from not from our school, but uh, they were. We found out. Uh, oh, they're just well, they're teachers. They're not special drivers at instructors. We had a good guy. It was a guy. I guess he was about thirty-five or forty, and uh, he knew there was no air conditioning too. And boy, we had. By the way, four kids would sit in the back, in the back seat, and two in the front with the instructor. So one was in the middle, and the other one, me or any one of the other kids, was driving. And they were great, by the way. Those cars were terrific. You get, I was telling the colonel, and, uh, we get uh, five or eight minutes or so behind the wheel. And that's a good amount. That's plenty to, well, learn how to drive a car. And uh, I don't recall our instructor ever using the dual steering wheel on his side or the dual brakes on his side. I don't think that ever happened, but I hope they have it today. And as I just said, you know, what better could you do? It's like there are all sorts of devices 
I always thought this about street sweepers, you know, that you see go down the street. Well, they have the big the curly circular brushes that go uh, both counterclockwise and clockwise and the big rolling brushes that just pick up. Well, they're supposed to pick up the, you know, the crushed pack of cigarettes and the uh, crushed beer cans and such that may get on the road there. But I don't know how much better you could do by inventing something better or trying to. I've I've seen cars. I'm sure you have, too. I've seen those trucks go down the road on street cleaning day, and they look just like the ones, once again, from uh, my childhood when I was a kid. And fine with me. You can't beat that. By the way, if you know, I mean, so first of all, when it comes to the instructor's car still having a backup brake, dual brakes, and dual steering wheels on the passenger side. Well, if they don't, if you know that they don't, please write in to us on our website. But boy, oh boy, that was pretty pretty handy stuff. And uh, I remember also, we would, <laughs> all the kids, we didn't mind much. We didn't know anything different. We were just regular kids. We weren't screaming and causing chaos. We were just, well, the four kids in the back were just sitting with their hands folded, four kids in the back, boys and girls. And then when it was time to pull over, and Mr. I can't remember his name, the instructor there, but Mr. So-and-so would say, okay, that was good, Larry. Pull over and let's switch. We would do that. I'd pull over or whoever the driver was would pull over. Well, you put your blinker on first, of course, and then you check your mirrors. And then pull over. And uh, it was all pretty smooth. So, you know what? Good question, Brad. Does the instructors, do they still have driver's ed in high school? I hope so. And if they do, does the instructor's car still have a backup brake on the parent on the passenger side? I hope so, too. And if they don't, where you live or where everyone lives, please, as I said, write us and tell us. And I mentioned there, by the way, uh, it's a couple of thoughts on, well, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. They have just, well, they've both passed on. They died. And uh, I'm sure you know that. It was uh, just about a week ago. And, uh, well, they killed themselves. They committed suicide. And I just wanted to mention that, and the colonel did too, that... uh, It's something worth mentioning. You think to yourself, boy, what is it with suicide? And I don't know, by the way. And the colonel doesn't know. I mean, what causes people to fall or, you know, just spin down that far? I I, I don't know. It's a a terrible thing. I'll tell you one thing. When I heard also Anthony Bourdain had killed himself— uh, in a in a small hotel in France, I think, or in Belgium, or something like that. But my my first thought on him was, but he had a full head of hair, which to me was, how could you do that with a full head of hair? Isn't that the first thing God's going to ask? I gave you a full head of hair. What, what are you crazy? Couldn't didn't that give you enough to just wait a couple of more days and see what happened? You know what? To both of them, I wish them well. I wish them uh, a good next step on the next level. And it seemed to me, and I hope to you too, worth mentioning and 
sending them a, well, a tip of the hat, you know, a fond adieu. And by the Larry Miller Store. That's right, the Larry Miller Store, which is, uh, frankly, a great way to hang on, if you don't mind my saying, or even if you do, I just said it. But, I mean, the Larry Miller Store, on uh, on our Internet, we have a whole channel for it, and we're se- we're selling the greatest T-shirts you could ever have. We have three T-shirt designs available for gentlemen, ladies, and even doggies, by the way. And that's true. So what you want to do is, uh, well, we have three great T-shirts. One has uh, LMDS on it, the Larry Miller Drinking Society. And uh, another T-shirt has Keep Calm and Larry On, which I like very much. I'm very fond of that in, uh, in where it came up in, in Britain and in England during World War II. And I think that's a great slogan and movement they had with all the attacks and bombing they took from Germany when the Nazis would just, well, bomb them. And uh, they had keep calm and carry on. That was their slogan, and it said on posters all over the place. And I think that's a good thing to have. So keep calm and Larry on is one of ours. And our third great T-shirt says, I survived volcano number two, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt, which I think is fun and uh, and funny. And let's be honest, if you survive volcano number two, you deserve more than a T-shirt, but you certainly deserve that T-shirt. Come on. That's a tough volcano. There's one, two, and three. They get harder, if you can imagine. You all die, you die really fast, and it's not a good way to go. But if you survive volcano number two, whew, yeah, you should get a clap on the back and a hearty handshake. And, by the way, uh, a free meal, we would give you one. We'd pick up the tab at uh, any one of our restaurants on Milleronia. And you come on in and you can get, uh, they'll make you any cocktail you want, by the way. And everyone will know why you're there. Don't say anything else stupid or you go right to volcano number three. But you come in there, we'll give you a great meal, best meal you ever had. In any case, uh, you know what? That's the Larry Miller store. Come come to us. We have all sorts of good things. And, uh, and please, by the way, to get there, remember that's our website. So you uh, type in LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Oh, excuse me. I should have had a pancake. Anything lighter than what I did have. (laughs) Is there anything men don't find anything? Is there anything men don't find funny about that? I don't think so. I don't. Even if you're like, you know, wearing... Fancy clothes and suits and sport coats, and you're like a choreographer or something. I think you'd still you hear that sound, that uh, that tuba sound or whatever that is that, and you'd have to say something like, "Oh, I beg your pardon, I should have had the locks." Yikes! By the way, I think I have mentioned this before. I don't recall, but. I love 
our ship, the Constitution, in the U.S. Navy. And by the way, it's still an official ship. It's still on active duty. And uh, I have visited that ship, that great, great ship, every time I'm working in Boston and have a day off. And it, it, uh, they've been very nice to me. Folks, you should go there. It's really not just educational, but it's really touching and moving. You think, holy mackerel, old Ironsides. And that was a British sailor who, who said that. Well, look at that. The, uh, the, our shells just bounce off her like she's made of iron. And that's why we call her old Ironsides. But they told me, <laughs> I didn't know this. Who does know this? The first time they took her out, which was in the 18th century, and it was a, our first real big ship, a warship, loaded with cannons, and then where the all the sailors slept, and the officers, the ensigns, and the officers on that deck uh, down below. Well, they uh, they came back from the first cruise, which is a few months, and the folks there, all the administrators and all the navy people, said, uh, "Well, what'd you think?" And every single one of them said. We need windows. We've got to have portholes. You've got to, because they had none. And, well, you have two or three hundred sailors and uh, sleeping on the same deck and in the same places in those, well, in those kind of little bunks they had, swinging bunks, and another, well, five or ten officers at the other end. And you needed portholes. That's all I'm going to say to that. And uh, you hear that sound that Colonel Jeff has there? Yeah, imagine three months of that. And uh, you weren't sorry when they changed watches and you were going up on deck. You were just thinking, thank God. In any case, folks, go to the Larry Miller store. And and thank you. Well, thank you for getting a T-shirt. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. And this is a good one, too. The colonel and I both like this one. Uh, young fella uh, gets a job at the local asylum in his town. And, well, it's an asylum. It's for, you know, all the uh, folks who are, well, a little shaky, a little crazy. And, uh, and the head of the asylum, the director of all the affairs there, walks him around it and shows him, you know, on his first day what's what and where everything is. And uh, at the end of that, it's just an hour or so to walk around, and he's going to start his work. And the director says to him, uh, any questions, anything uh, I've left out? And the guy says, well, to be honest, I'm just curious. How do you uh, how do you know when someone's cured? I mean, so that they're ready to be let go and sent out back into the world. And the director says to him, you know what? I'll show you how right now. And it's a good question here. So they go into the director's office and the director says to his assistant, go bring uh, three fellows in here. And the uh, assistant does. The three guys come in and the director says uh, to the first one, uh, tell me something. How much is six times six? And the guy with a big smile says, a thousand and the director says, nods, and then says to the assistant, okay, take him back, take him back. And he says to the second one, uh, how much is six times six? And the guy, again, a big smile, says, February. 
And the director, same thing, just says to the assistant, all right, he goes back to, and the director says, how much is six times six? And the third guy says, 36. And the director says, good for you. And he turns to the new guy and says, see, now we know he's fine and ready to be let go. So he says that to the assistant, get get the paperwork ready. And uh, everyone's smiling at each other, and the director turns to that fella, the one who got out, number number three, number three, and he says to him, uh, "I'm just curious. How did you know that six times six is thirty-six? How did you know that the answer is thirty-six?" And the guy says, "Well, it was easy. I just divided one thousand by February." <laughs> So he wasn't quite ready to be let go either. Anyway, I think that was a that was a good one, and then so does the colonel, Colonel Jeff. And if you do too, once again, please pass that along. Tell your friends and family and loved ones and anyone you like, and you'll get a laugh out of them too. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, the poetry corner. theme as always in that string quartet well they do a great job in any case though uh folks this is a wonderful poem it's called despair by the great percy bis shelley and oh what a wonderful poet he was and he lived from 1792 to 1822 and he was english now, he's an interesting guy, though. He had very rich parents. His dad was a member of parliament. And, uh, boy, he was he got well-known. He traveled, by the way, all over the place in Europe there, France, Switzerland, and Germany. And in 1816, he wrote the poem Alastor that was the work, the poem, that first made him famous. Here's an interesting fact. His wife was Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Well, I didn't know that till today. How do you like that? In any case, here we go. Thank you. This is Shelley did a great job on this. It's called Despair. And canst thou mock mine agony thus calm in cloudless radiance, queen of silver night? Can you, ye florets, spend your perfumed balm mid pearly gems of dew that shine so bright? And ye wild winds, thus can you sleep so still, whilst throbs the tempest of my breast so high? Can the fierce night fiends rest on yonder hill and in the eternal mansions of the sky? Can the directors of the storm in powerless silence lie? Hark! I hear music on the zephyr's wing. Louder it floats along the unruffled sky. Some fairy sure has touched the viewless string. Now faint in distant air the murmurs die. A while it stills the tide of agony. Now, now it loftier swells 
Again, stern woe arises with the awakening melody. Again, fierce torments such as demons know in bitterer feller tide on this torn bosom flow. Arise, ye sightless spirits of the storm, ye unseen minstrels of the aerial song, pour the fierce tide around this lonely form, and roll the tempest's wildest swell along. Dart the red lightning, wing the forked flash, pour from thy cloud-formed hills the thunder's roar. Arouse the whirlwind and let ocean dash in fiercest tumult on the rocking shore. Destroy this life, or let earth's fabric be no more. Yes, every tie that links me here is dead. Mysterious fate, thy mandate I obey, since hope and peace and joy, for I are fled. I come terrific power, I come away. Then o'er this ruined soul let spirits of hell in triumph, laughing wildly, mock its pain. And though with direst pangs mine heart-strings swell, I'll echo back their deadly yells again, cursing the power that ne'er made aught in vain. Isn't that lovely? This fellow, well, he picked a great wife who was talented too, and uh, I'm glad he wrote this one. Percy Bysshe Shelley, Despair. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. This is a very good movie. It's terrific. It's from 1986 called Heartbreak Ridge. Produced, directed, and starring Clint Eastwood. By the way, we don't think too often, or you and I alike. Clint Eastwood produced and directed and starred in many of his movies. So many and going back, well, 30, 40, 50 years. He's, well, Clint Eastwood is a talented, hard-working man. And this movie starring Clint Eastwood, so many others. What a good cast. Mario Van Peebles, Eileen Heckert, Marsha Mason, Everett McGill, Moses Gunn, so many of, well, wonderful actors. And it's about, well, the last chapter, so to speak, of a Marine who's been, well, a fighting Marine for a long time. And uh, this was in 40, 40 years at the time this movie was made. And this Marine, well, it gets to the point where he has an old friend. He was transferred back to his original base. And he has some of the Marines there, like the commander, don't mean him well. And they don't like him and they don't get him. And his old friend does. They fought together in so many battles on so many wars. And they go to Eileen Heckert's bar. Her husband was one of their Marine friends. And he was killed in action. 
and they're friends with her, and it gives them a place to go. And it's the kind of place you and I would like, by the way. It's it's never full. It's just it's just quiet and small and nice there. And one night, well, Eastwood's good friend there, another sergeant, the closest friends, uh, tells Mario, Mario Van Peebles, who's a new recruit, who's over there in Recon Battalion, Eastwood's company, Eastwood's platoon. And it's that sergeant, not Eastwood, and Mario Van Peebles. And uh, the sergeant walks him over and shows him some of the photographs on the walls there. And it's the first time Peebles, as a character, and you and I, it's the first time we see some of the past and some of what really made these men, and especially Clint Eastwood, Tom Highway is his name in this, the the Marines they are and the Marines they were then. And he points out to Peebles that... Uh, you know what? These are this is from these photos from the Korean War, and they were sent to take that hill, the big hill, and it was very hard. And the North Koreans and the Chinese were, well, they were firing down and with artillery and weapons and rifles and machine guns on all the Marines charging up that hill, and their sergeant at the time said to Eastwood that as they started up that hill, he, he's, they, he said to Eastwood and, uh, and his other sergeant friend, well, boys, this ridge may not kill us, but she'll surely break our hearts, which is a wonderful line. And they, uh, and Van Peebles, for the first time, is getting it starting to really get it. And the other man says to him, and that's where Tom Highway won the Congressional Medal of Honor for that battle. And Peebles is, as he should be, he's very impressed. He says, well, Gunny Highway won the CMH? And, uh, mm-hmm. and he knows more, and we know more. And a little bit later in the movie, when they're going off to war, and they get the call, and they charge out the door there. Eileen Heckert is left alone in the bar, and she just looks after them and says, God bless. And, folks, it really works. It's working on me now. That's a magic movie moment from Heartbreak Ridge. And if you haven't seen it, do. Do see it. And if you have, and you've seen it, you know, I always love to say, then it's the truth. If you've seen it 20 or 30 times, see it again. And uh, you can hear that wonderful line, Boys, this ridge may not kill us, but she'll surely break our hearts. Well, you know, folks, that it, it, make, it makes you, you think, what is the, well... Protected like that, what are the blessings we have right now, you and I? And I say that because, uh, well, my younger son, who's staying with us after his first year at school, at college, and he worked really hard. He had a great freshman year, and he's on the crew team now, and he got promoted again, and God bless him, he does great. 
And he just got up, and uh, he has a part-time job for the summer. And he was just, he came into the studio just to say, well, to say hi and goodbye to me and to Colonel Jeff. And God bless him, he'll be back later. And you know what? I don't think there's anything greater in life than to work hard and be a good young man, a great fella like this this guy, and to be able to sleep late. Sleep late. Do you, do you really know? Do I know what that means? I can't even remember anymore. I think that's great. Sleeping late. He worked so hard over a year like that, freshman year, and he, he's back with us, and well, God bless him. I love him to pieces. He you know, he took a big, deep nap yesterday from four to six with the dogs on his bed, and the three of them slept together. How do you not love that? I mean, really, the truth is, who would get cranky at that? He works hard. Yes, 500 years ago, he'd be out looking for food. Okay, sure. Or putting out fires or fighting with the next village. But today, he doesn't have to. So he gets together at night couple of times a week with his old uh, high school friends, a couple of them, and uh, they talk about girls, and well, what else would you talk about when you're a 19-year-old boy? And uh, then he gets back in a little later, you know, it's it's late, it's sometimes one uh, thirty or 2 or 2.30 in the morning, And uh, but who who would mind that? I'm always glad to see him, I always say hi. And he gets, he washes up and brushes his teeth and gets a good night's sleep, and so do I. But, you know, he's, as I said, he trained hard in crew, and he worked hard as a student, and now he's home, and he's got a job. And you know what? How in God's name do you beat sleeping late and taking big naps? And I, I don't know how. I don't think you can. Sure, now I thought, you know, after we uh, finished our show today that... uh I thought uh, he might join me for lunch or just to go oh, shopping, you know, just to the supermarket. And uh, But every time, you know, I ask, he tells the truth and says, well, you know, I just got back. I'm, I'm lying in bed with the laptop and, you know, that smile. I smile at that. It's wonderful. What's the problem there? Do you see one? I don't. And uh, you know what? I mean, after the colonel and I finish our show today, I'd love to take a nap myself, too. And then, you know, does that make me a bum? <laughs> Don't answer that. But you know what? How wonderful that, uh, God bless her. My, every time my wife says she's going out to meet her friends, Susie and Amber, and they're going to go, well, shopping or an art gallery or whatever the heck it is. And the uh, first thing I think of, it, wow, it's a good time for a nap, you know? <laughs> Why not? And that's why I asked that question before. Did people nap a thousand years ago? Life was so hard then. It really was. They were looking for food every minute of every day or killing lions or fighting wars. I don't even think they had time for love affairs. I was wondering that before that, uh, hey, Larry, Denise is home today. Might be a good time for you to knock on her door and see if she feels like one of your fancy martinis. But my response would always be, first of all, I'd rather have a nice nap and then shower and shave and get my wife some flowers and come back home and, well, what do you think, folks? Yes, get myself right back into bed for another nap. I mean, 
Why the heck not? Our days are busy, yours and mine. I had the fullest day last week on Friday, and it took took all the starch out of me. I mean, I, I went to the clinic I'm going to now for, uh, oh, they, you know, get your speech pattern all set and, uh, and uh, yeah, physical training. And those are big for a couple hours. That's a big, uh, that's a big load. And after that, I was on, uh, my friend uh, Adam Carolla has a great podcast and he uh, called up and they asked me on. So I, I drove right over there from the clinic and to go on the show. And well, oh, that's terrific. And then, well, I left there in Glendale to and filled the car up with gas. And that take, you know, each chore you do, by the way, seems like it's gigantic. And then I had to go off into Century City here in Southern California and sign a couple of contracts at my contract signing place with the, with the business manager. Okay, fine. And then I finished that too, went over there. But that, that's a ride. That's about 12 miles or 14 miles. And okay, so you're right over there and you do that work. And uh, I know that's not where I know it's not work. It's not like working in a salt mine, but it's every chore. Then then you finish there. And I came back over the hills to go to the pharmacy and get some more stuff, some more meds that I, I needed. And I got there. But then it was now 5.15, 5.30. Well, folks, I don't mind telling you, I was starting to get a little rocky on my legs, saying, holy mackerel, what a day this has been. And in fact, you know, they gave me the couple of things I needed, and and I, you know, went home. But you get back in that car, you know this feeling. You get back in that car. Now you've done all these things in the day from 9.15 in the morning till 5.45 in the afternoon. Folks, you've had it. I drove back home, and, uh, well, my son was here, and my wife was here, and our doggies, and that's the best thing in the world. So I did that, too. Sure, I took off my topsiders, and you know what? Washed up, same thing as I to say to talk about my son doing. Wash up, brush your teeth, and, folks, that's it. Put on a clean T-shirt, jump in the shower. Well, not the same time, but, you know, you, you get showered up, dry off, put on that T-shirt, and boy, do you feel good. I know it, and you know it. And you know what? So a thousand years ago, did they do that? I'm glad we do it today. And I know, as always, you know what I know. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And it's the best thing in the world. Be well, and we'll see you here next time.